Mobile Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York, I'm Doug Krisner. We've got an hour left to go in trading in the U.S. equity market. Tech shares out in front of what appears to be a rally across the board with the Dow and the S&P at record levels. NASDAQ composite meantime higher by about 1.2%. Also seeing strength in health care stocks. Financials, they are up as well following some hawkish comments from the head of the New York Fed Bank. We're talking about Bill Dudley. He seemed to echo what we heard last week from Fed Chair Janet Yellen saying that halting the tightening cycle now would imperil the U.S. economy. And earlier, several tech executives met with President Trump. We're talking about leaders from Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google. And Trump advisor Jared Kushner saying many government operations can go from paper to the cloud. The White House hoping to trim about a trillion dollars in cost over 10 years by improving efficiencies with help from the tech sector. U.S. 10-year Treasury trading in New York right now at a yield of 2.18%, seeing a bit of pullback in crude oil, WTI right now in electronic trading, weaker by about 1.3%. We're trading 44.14. Bloomberg Markets brought to you by Brown University School of Professional Studies, engaging mid-career professionals with executive master's degrees in business, cybersecurity, healthcare, and technology. More information at brown.edu slash executives. Back now to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson. Thank you very much, Doug Krisner. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. interrupt. Dave Wilson, our producer wants to know, is your shirt open, your medallions hanging out, are women throwing things at you from the audience? I wish. <laughs> You're right there, Carol. Throw something. <laughs> I love Tom Jones. What's it to love about him, right? I love our chart of the day, which Dave right. Wilson was kind to bring. What's the connection, Dave Wilson? Well, there's something that's not unusual going on. Ah. That would be sort of an obvious uh, Kind of link to make, and it relates to the extent to which the S&P 500 is being driven by a handful of stocks or not. I mean, that's really the question, especially given uh, the dominance we've seen of uh, some of the largest technology companies within the uh, index this year. And it's a topic that Dubrovko Lekos uh, picked up on. He's the head of U.S. equity strategy over at J.P. Morgan Chase. And what he did, I mean, is, is run the numbers and look at where we are and where we've been historically. When you do that, you find out that basically for the year-to-date, first five months or so, uh, the 10 stocks that contributed the most to the S&P 500's advance accounted for a combined 35% of the gain which sounds like a lot, except when you do the same analysis historically going back to 1991, you find out the average is 36%. So it's pretty much in line with what we've seen historically. And then as a point of reference, you go back to the market's peak in 2000, you know, driven by the first wave of demand for Internet stocks, you might say. And uh, the figure was 66%. So in other words, what we're seeing now is not really that much different than what you would see normally in terms of the effect of a relatively hand, you know, small number of stocks 
driving up the index. And he looks at it with the top five shares and comes to the same conclusion. So are concerns so, that the gains are concentrated in just a few names um, historically, if you go back, it's very similar to what we've seen in the past. Exactly. And that's the point because, you know, there has been so much concern that the market is really too dependent on the likes of uh, Amazon or Facebook or uh, whoever. And what the analysis shows is we're not now where we were when when stocks were peaking after the last sort of Internet-driven rally we went through in the second half of the 90s. So you've got a reference point. And if you want to know more, folks, send me an email. I'll get you the chart, the explanation that goes with it. And everything I do going forward, the email address is dwilson at bloomberg.net. That's dwilson at bloomberg.net. Don't go anywhere, Dave. Stay with us. I want to bring in Carl Rigadona. He's our uh, Bloomberg Intelligence Lock chief. Lock the doors. Quick, economist. don't let him out. Exactly. With well, all the fans outside ready to storm the, the dressing room. Uh, Carl, exactly. what are you looking at economics-wise? We didn't really have a lot of data last week, but that's going to change, yeah? Well, I'm trying to work uh, Tom Jones into uh, my I segment as well. Really, so, uh, I, and I'm going to torture it. So, uh, bear with me. Uh, uh-huh. It's uh, what we're watching is uh, New York Fed President Bill Dudley, uh, and he's visiting the green, green grass of his home district. There it is. Uh, and he was uh, speaking right. earlier today. Uh, so, uh, oh, this week far. is uh, not so much about the – I've tried to work in what's new pussycat, and I just couldn't figure out how to, to do that. <laughs> well, uh, he's lacking creativity. What's new is, and maybe it's not new for Mr. Dudley, is he's pretty confident about this expansion. Says, what, we can go even longer? Right. He thinks it can go for a, a good while longer, and uh, he uh, thinks that uh, you know the Fed can stay on track, which uh, you know he's been on the dovish end of the spectrum, uh, what will be even more telling – if uh, just a little bit later today, uh, this evening, in fact, uh, Charles Evans of the Chicago Fed uh, speaks at the Money Marketeers here in New York, uh, and he is uh, as dovish, if not slightly more so, uh, than New York Fed President uh, Dudley. So we're kind of watching those comments to see right. how on board uh, the doves are, because the announcement last week was a little bit striking from the Fed. Uh, it, it seemed uh, on the aggressive side, especially if they want uh, balance sheet runoff to be operating passively in the background. And uh, uh, Philly Fed President Harker talked about uh, watching paint dry, uh, and I think we're risking a uh, Jackson Pollock-esque uh, uh, paint drying uh, session here uh, if the Fed is uh, moving as aggressively as they signaled. Not so much uh, at the onset of the unwind, uh, but we're talking about uh, uh, runoff caps of $30 billion for Treasuries and 20 for MBS uh, when this thing is at uh, full speed. And mm-hmm. uh, that on top of three or four rate hikes from the Fed in an economy that has yet to prove that it's going to accelerate beyond 2% growth. And uh, I just wonder if uh, uh, we can really handle uh, that degree of normalization. Uh, because, I mean, the, there's a, is there a trade on the other end or is there enough to support a trade on the other end? Well, that's the question. You have an economy meandering along at uh, 2% and, uh, you know, there, there's no indication that things are going to really upshift. And if you start selling off mortgages into the market, uh, then you're potentially applying the brakes to the housing market. Uh, and then you have to wonder uh, how will growth diversify beyond just consumer spending, which has been that lonely driver of growth to this point in the cycle. And uh, if housing's out of the picture and interest-sensitive spending is getting uh, uh, clipped by higher interest rates, uh, it's hard to see that acceleration. And without that acceleration, you don't get the knock-on effect from business investment spending either. 
Yeah, I mean, the Fed is in a tricky place, right? Unemployment, pretty low, but not a lot of inflation. And I do think, you know, right, they've got to be very careful of, you know, usually what raise rates to rein in inflation, right? So it's it's a strange prediction. You have to wonder, and I hate to draw too tight of parallels, but you look at Japan – very low, in, uh, very low unemployment. Uh, it never created the wage pressures. Uh, Japan, maybe there's some good reasons why that's not a good example. So let's move on to Germany, another large economy, uh, extremely low unemployment, and you're not getting significant wage pressures. And so I think in the backs of their minds, policymakers are thinking, well, the old rules should still apply, but we have to wonder uh, when you see these exceptions to the rule uh, on the horizon, uh, you know, where that's uh, going to pan out uh, in terms of uh, U.S. wage pressures and whatnot. It all yeah. seems to be coming together that we should see some pickup, but it hasn't happened yet. Right. Continue to scratch our heads, kind of wondering where it is. Hey, Dave Wilson, uh, 30 seconds left here. Uh, in terms of uh, the economic calendar, uh, what what do you think investors are going to be watching on the equity side of things? And working Tom Jones. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'll get you Tom Jones necessarily, but I see we've got housing data coming up uh, this week, mm-hmm. uh, existing and new home sales. That'll be an area to watch if only because, you know, we've seen the builders kind of suffer uh, from constraints in terms of their uh, ability to profit from the demand uh, that's been growing in the housing market. So, you know, we'll get a real sense of where the, uh, the industry is at this point uh, after those numbers come out this week. Uh, interesting times uh, in the market, too. We've also got this Blue Apron IPO uh, teeing up, which will be fun to look at uh, how the markets react to that. Dave Wilson, our stocks editor. Thank you very much. And Carl Riccadonna uh, from Bloomberg Intelligence, our chief U.S. economist. All right, everybody. Let's get a check on your latest world of national news headlines. Let's see what uh, Adrian Mitchell is up to. She's in our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Carol. Hi, Corey. Gerrymandering, the drawing of voting districts to favor the party that drew them, has been an American tradition since 1812. Now the Supreme Court has decided whether, agreed to decide whether enough is enough, as Bloomberg's Irv Tapman reports. After the 2010 census, the Republican-controlled Wisconsin legislature redrew the district so that when the members ran against in 2012, Republicans won 60 of 99 assembly seats, even though they won only 48.6% of the statewide vote. A three-judge federal court ruled by two to one that the map of districts was so partisan it violated the Equal Protection Clause of the U.S. Constitution. Wisconsin argued that incumbents are entitled to benefit as they always have, and besides, Democratic voters tend to cluster in and near cities, which concentrates their votes. The case hinges in part on whether the court will allow a computer program to be the main determinant of district lines. Irv Chapman, Bloomberg Radio, Washington. The high court also reversed a lower court decision that allowed a suit brought by mostly Muslim detainees taken into custody in New York after 9-11 who said they were mistreated while in detention. Those named in the suit included former Attorney General John Ashcroft and former FBI Director Robert Mueller. Police are investigating an attack in London as a case of terrorism. One person died. They are holding a 48-year-old man they say drove a van into a group of people outside a mosque early today. And in Paris, a driver is dead after police say he rammed his car into a police vehicle on the Champs-Élysées. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Adrian Mitchell.